You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. Hey, this is Dan Savage, and you've downloaded the Savage Love Podcast, the once-a-week outlawed version of my sex advice column, Savage Love. The number here, if you want to record a question for a future podcast, 206-201-2720. And, of course, you download us every week at www.thestranger.com slash savage. Now, if you've been listening for a while, you know that we've been wrestling with the name of this fucking thing. You think we would have had that hammered out before we went on the air or on the web or whatever the fuck it is we're doing. Uh, and we really didn't. We just sort of like barreled through because the tech savvy at risk youth who uh, prompted me to do this show and I didn't really think about a name. We just thought about getting my uh, skanky ass on the air on the web getting a podcast together so we just started calling it the savage love podcast which is just a little bit you know most of the podcasts out there they have a groovy little name and it makes some sense and they don't use podcasts in their title they are a podcast they don't call themselves a podcast just like they don't call it the threes company situation comedy it was just threes company a little ancient history there you can google that if you want and i've been wrestling with what the fuck to call it and some readers have been sending in suggestions uh Shelby says Savage Hotline, which doesn't really do it for me. Uh, who's this? Brad says we should go with Savage Love Out Loud, which seems a little derivative because every week I do say the out loud version of my sex advice column, Savage Love. So you'll have to work a little bit harder than that. Brad Kyra says In the Can with Dan Savage, which sounds kind of gross, a little scatological. Or Savage Love in the Can or Savage Love Canned. Uh, none of which quite do it for me. Emily says we should call it Savage Love Loud. JD writes in and says that he actually likes the name Savage Love Podcast because it's unpretentious and to the point. But I think we have a winner uh, with Joy who writes in and says, Dear Dan and Tech Savvy at Risk Youth, suggestion for the name of the podcast, The Savage Love Cast. I think that's simple. I think it's elegant. I think it references the original uh, and capture some of the spirit of this uh, extension of my Savage Love franchise. So I think we're going to go with Savage Lovecast. And, uh, Joy, I'll be sending you a booklet of McDonald's gift certificates or something in, in, to thank you for the suggestion. So Joy wins. And from here on out, unless I change my mind, we're the Savage Lovecast. Hi, Dan. Here's a question about um, desire, like, Banking, bondage, that type of thing that I am curious about that seems to be something that runs in my family. There are three of us girls. Um, we're all pretty old. My oldest sister is 10 years older than me. Then I have another sister two years older than me, and then I'm the youngest. And we all recently have discovered that ever since we were about the age of three, we're completely completely interested and into fantasies that involved being tied up or being spanked or being um, abused or somehow being forced into doing things we didn't want to do. And that is something we just discovered and we were all like incredibly early masturbators and that all of our fantasies were completely consistent. So now many, many, many years later, and we have finally discovered this about each other, and we all have, we had a totally what would seem a normal upbringing where, you know, dad sat in the chair and drank until he passed out or whatever, (laughs) but completely unengaged dad, 
um, classic homemaker mom. Nobody was abused. No kinky shit in the house. You know, just really normal family. But we all managed on our own to come up with major kink heads. So my question is, what do you think about um, this type of thing, this type of interest being hardwired, like something that someone can be born with and manifest that young? But I'm wondering about all the people who have like different sort of fetishes like feet or plushies or whatever the thing. I mean, I'm just wondering, did all those things start when they were three years old? And is it possible to be hardwired? Maybe I'll hear this on the podcast and maybe I won't. I'm sorry, you're not going to hear it on the podcast. You're going to hear it on the love cast, which is what we're doing now. Can an interest in a particular sexual act or I guess I wouldn't say a particular sexual act, a particular sexual style, a particular you know grouping of fetishes and kinks that are all about power and control... Uh, be hardwired. Who knows? We're just beginning to really understand the extent to which genetics plays a role in the formation of personality. So for all we know, there's a gene for BDSM, perhaps even a gene for submissive or dominant BDSM. Uh, I think that's unlikely. I think there are sort of baseline sexual orientations. And then what gets laid on top of that, what gets laid on top of whether you're gay or straight or bi is then, uh, you know, a host of sexual acts or, or interests or pastimes or fetishes that appeal to some other sort of part of your brain, part of your psyche, some way that your erotic attraction to men or women or both uh, was experienced when you were very young and the way in which you then uh, constructed it. Your erotic imagination came together and came to be formed. Um, you know, just as likely... Uh, as a genetic component because your sisters is you all three grew up in the same house watching the same gender dynamics play out in your mother's and father's relationship and who knows and you know it's just this sort of thing invites so much sort of dimes worth of value armchair psychoanalyzing you know who knows maybe because your father was drunk and passed out in a chair and your mother was a stay-at-home homemaker that you know maybe subconsciously you wish your father was paying more attention to your mother and asserting more control and doing more in your lives and just passing out drunk on the couch and letting your mother run the show and run everything. And you all sort of latched onto all independent of each other that, you know, if dad would tie mom up and give mom a spanking every once in a while, things would be different. And that became eroticized. But again, again I say that's a worthless dime chair psychoanalyzing. It's Monday morning sexuality quarterbacking. It's really not worth the breath it took to, to speak it aloud. There are people out there studying sexuality and genetics, people out there studying the relationship that genetics seems to now have to personality. I know from having adopted and knowing my son's biological mother that they're very similar. They're very similar personalities. Uh, and some of those traits are really strange and very specific. Uh, my son's mother, when you put a plate of food in front of her, will eat, for instance, all the Brussels sprouts, then all the potatoes, than the steak. Everything one at a time. She actually hasn't spent that much time having dinner with our son. He eats everything on his plate one at a time, just like his mother. It's just, it's so strange. It's been so strange to watch that emerge from him, from having eaten with his mother a bunch of times and then remembering that, oh my God, he eats like his mother eats. Where did that come from? So who knows? Maybe there's a genetic component. Maybe all three of you like to get spanked like your mother liked to get spanked and, and you inherited that trait. But again, 
We don't know. We can only ask these questions and hopefully ask them of people who will then go out and find answers. But, you know, they're just starting to look into why it is that some people are gay. I think we're probably 50 years away from looking into why some people have a thing for feet or if there's a genetic component to all three of you sisters wanting to have your backsides reddened by a strong daddy figure. And to conclude, I I really want to emphasize what you said, that there was no abuse in your family. So many people assume when somebody has an interest in BDSM or power dynamics, a sexual interest in it, as opposed to just a life interest in it, because a lot of people want to control other people uh, without their, you know, with their pants on, and nobody regards that as particularly strange. Uh, and nobody raises an eyebrow when somebody wants to run the world, but if somebody just wants to run the sex, there's something wrong with them, and they must have been abused. Uh, nobody that I know who's super kinky was abused. You do hear people say, though, you know, I like to be spanked because I was spanked as a child. And you can find just as many or more people who say, oh, I'm turned on by being spanked because I was never spanked as a child. And there was something attractive and titillating to me about that idea because it never happened to me. So we can, you know, sometimes people reach back into their lives, uh, you know, because they have a foot fetish when they're grown up. and They try to find some Rosetta Stone experience and say, ah, that did it to me. But that's memory and that's subjective. And, you know, what made one person a foot fetishist is not what made some other person a foot fetishist, which is why I always tell people, like, you know, you can ask why and you can think about it, but you don't want to get obsessed about it. You don't want to bog down on it. You're into what you're into. Your sisters are into it, too. I don't know what kind of conversation that could prompt me to have a talk with my brothers about the things that turn them on, because I really don't fucking want to know. So I couldn't say I have two brothers. Maybe they have the same set of kinks that I do. But you know what? We don't fucking talk about it. So I don't know. Uh, And I hope never to know. But the thing to take away from this long rambling answer is uh, we don't know uh, and enjoy. Hi, Dan, 25-year-old straight guy here. Just wanted your opinion on a situation. I'm in a relationship where two of those crazy freaks you talk about that like to take things slow or wait until we get married to to have sex. But um, just wanted to get your opinion. We're not, a, you know, above the, the oral sex. But I was um, actually doing that to my fiancé, and the first response I got from her was uncontrollable laughter as her response to orgasm. And as you know, one of the worst things for a guy to hear in that situation is uncontrollable laughter. So um, she assured me that that was her first time ever feeling like that. But, um, you know, I've heard of people crying in response to that. I've heard of people screaming in response to that, but I've never seen uncontrollable laughter before. So just wanted to get your opinion on that, if it happens to other girls or if I'm just a special guy. I always enjoy hearing from the crazy freaks who, uh, as you are, are taking things slow and, you know, going to wait until marriage before you have the sex thing. And I always enjoy hearing one of you people say, uh, I'm not above the oral sex. That made me laugh uncontrollably, I really have to say. Because you say you're not going to have sex until marriage, but you're planting your face in your fiancé's pussy and chomping on her till she comes. Lesbians regard that as sex. I regard that as sex. I think the Pope regards that as sex. I think what we learned during the Bill and Hillary Clinton and Monica Lewinsky scandal was that the uh, House of Representatives regarded that as sex and impeached the fucking president for it. Oral sex is sex. It's Oral sex, just like what you think you mean when you say sex, is actually vaginal intercourse, vaginal sex, pussy in 
vagina sex or not pussy in vagina penis in vagina sex is sex but face in vagina sex is still sex two people rolling around on top of each other naked giving each other orgasms is sex i really think at this point you know if god hasn't thrown a thunderbolt up your ass while you're eating your fiance's pussy he's probably not going to throw a thunderbolt up your ass or a lightning bolt up your ass if you stick your penis in even just a little bit i wonder if you're one of those saving it for marriage freaks who's having the anal sex because that's not the vaginal sex. So she's technically a virgin. I fucked every hole on her body except that one. I carved extra holes and fucked those too. I fucked her armpits. I titty fucked her. I came in her fucking nose. But I didn't touch her. I didn't put my penis in her vagina. So she was a pure virgin on our wedding night. How, how beautiful for you. Anyway, I, I just, I'm rousing you. You know, it's fine. You can do what you want. It's a free country. I can't compel you to fuck your fiancé. Uh, in her pussy, as God intended you to. Uh, and, and I'm not interested in that. You know, if you guys want to save that little special something for your wedding night, you, you want to, like, set one thing aside. And, you know, that's great. Actually, I think that's even kind of sweet. But let's call it what it is. You guys are sexually active. You guys are having sex. You're having oral sex. You're probably having anal sex. You're probably having mutual masturbation, which itself is sex. What you're not having is you're reserving vaginal intercourse for after marriage. That's cool. But you are sexually active. You are having sex. Don't call me and say we're taking it slow and we're not having sex until marriage, except for the oral sex thing. For fuck's sake. I want to reach through the phone and strangle you. But but you know what? I also want to say, God, you worked me up with that comment. I also want to say that it's fine uh, and even kind of sweet and I think charming and probably totally erotic and intense for you guys to say, you know what? We're not going to do this one thing. We're going to save this one thing. Uh, because when you do then allow yourself to do that, it will be a special moment. It will be a breakthrough moment, not just for her hymen, but maybe, you know, sexually for the both of you. It'll be really intense. It'll be fun. It'll be a little cherry on the wedding Sunday. Uh, and so, and, and that'll make it that much more intensely erotic, but you're playing games. You're playing erotic games. You're not saving yourself for marriage. You're saving one thing until after the wedding. Uh, and moving on, why did she laugh uncontrollably? Well, you know, sometimes people, when they become aroused, sneeze. They just have this physiological response and they sneeze. And there's really no explanation, you know, except that when you become aroused, a lot of, you know, your body's mucous membranes become inflamed. A lot of blood starts slopping around everywhere. A lot of people find that their nose starts to run while they're having sex, while they're turned on. Just because, you know, just as like you produce more saliva. And so some people sneeze. So why, when she had her orgasm, did she begin to laugh uncontrollably? Well, when she's having the orgasm, and perhaps it was her first, maybe this is the first time that you went down on her and brought her to climax this way, or maybe she had a particularly intense orgasm this time, you know, you're engaging a lot of muscles uh, in her lower body that are surround her uh, vagina. You know, there's a lot of muscles that start to contract and throb and slap around and jump up and down when a woman has an orgasm. Same thing with a guy. You know, and those muscles are all very close to her diaphragm. And she might have just had a conditioned response where those are also the muscles, many of them, that engage when she has a laughing fed, which are low and diaphragmatic. And she could have just had a, had a basically a sense memory response where that's how it, her body, that's a sensation her body had when she was laughing, those muscles contracting. And it made her, it prompted her to start to laugh. It triggered the sort of like, I'm laughing my ass off part of her brain. And she started to laugh her ass off. Uh, don't take it personally. Clearly, she enjoyed it. You know, there's nowhere is it written that everyone has to respond the exact same way with the exact same porno face on. 
you know, it's fine to laugh during sex. It's fine to have a good time. Sometimes you do just have to laugh. And, you know, you can't take, don't be an insecure bag slob dumbass guy who loses his erection when a woman looks like she's having fun or laughs. You know, that's sometimes a sign of pleasure and enjoyment. Don't, it's not a referendum on how, like, fast your tongue is moving or how massive your dick is. I think it's a, I think it points to how skilled you are or how much whatever it is that you were doing while you're eating her out worked for her that she lost control like that. I mean, that's part of what driving particularly a woman in oral sex to orgasm is all about is getting her to go over the falls, getting her to lose control. A lot of women find that they can't orgasm at all or during oral sex uh, in particular because they just feel like they can't let go. They can't go over the falls. A lot of women call it. And you clearly are able to do that for her, and that's wonderful, and you should feel like you've got a little gold star on the tip of your tongue, uh, not that she you know, didn't enjoy it. So let go of your fears about the laughter. Enjoy your big wedding night, vaginal intercourse. Don't ever call me again and say that you're not having sex and then announce that you're having oral sex. Hey, Dan, long-time listener, first-time caller. I've always wanted to say that. Um, I'm calling because thanks to the fact that I haven't had any sex education since high school, my doctor gave me a round of applause. Or really, she told me I had to clap. So very exciting. Chlamydia is fantastic. Um, God bless the single-dose antibiotic. My question for you is um, do I need to retire my sex toys based on the fact that I've contracted an STD? Um, am I able to put them through regular cleaning processes and make sure that they're um, fine, or am I, do I have the possibility of reinfecting myself? Because clearly I should be only having sex with myself anyway. In most major North American cities uh, now, there is a sex toy store, usually owned by women, usually progressive, and a place you're not embarrassed to walk into, not sleazy, not skeezy, like a lot of old-timey sex shops where uh, there are helpful people who are willing and able to answer all your questions uh, about your sex toys, including health and safety questions. I'm a huge fan of all these stores, and I regularly uh, drag the stores into my column and get out of the way and let the proprietors and owners and staff give a little sex advice about sex toys. I love Good Vibrations. I love Babes in Toyland. uh, I love Grand Opening. I'm also a fan of Come As You Are, which is Toronto's uh, progressive, uh, woman-owned, super cool, nifty, keen sex toy shop and we're going to get them on the line and let them have a whack at your question so uh this is sarah from come as you are in toronto hello can you tell everybody a few words about come as you are sure yeah we're uh, uh a cooperatively owned sex toy store in toronto uh, our approach is really about being community-based and an educational focus um, so we just have lots of fun stuff, and we sort of approach it from that angle. Okay, so I have a question from a caller who needs a little bit of education about sex toys and sexually transmitted infections. Yep. Uh, she came down with chlamydia, Okay. and she did the right thing and got her ass to a doctor and got a big shot, and she's over the chlamydia. Great. Uh, but what she's concerned about is her, all of her sex toys, and she's concerned about whether she needs to retire them and if there's any risk of reinfection if there's, uh, you know, chlamydia scum on her sex toys? Well, the best thing to do would just be to wash them well with an antibacterial soap. Um, and then you want to let them dry well. So there's um, no need to toss them all? There's no need to toss them. Um, it, you know, sometimes people do anyway, just because it makes them feel better. Um, but as far as the risk goes, if you wash them really well and let them dry, they'll be fine. You can also use condoms. It's always good to use condoms with sex toys anyway. If they're rubber, they are porous, so you might want to just 
throw a condom on there as well. Silicone and stainless steel are the best for hygiene because you can actually boil them. So if you did want to toss them and uh, invest in something that you can actually sterilize, that might be good down the road. For but, si but silicone and, uh, and stainless steel, those are a lot pricier. They're a lot pricier. So if you want to keep what you have, you like what you have, you can just you know wash them really well and then possibly use condoms on them. I've heard some people say that they run them through the dishwasher if they're not electric. That only works with silicone. That only works with silicone. Everything yeah. else will melt or explode. Exactly. Like not mixing two different toilet cleansers, you could like blow your house up if you throw the wrong kind of sex toy in the dishwasher. Yeah, or, or things melt into ooze. Ew. You don't want that. You want to melt into ooze, not the sex exactly. toys. Um, so what is, uh, just can you give some people some proper tips, pointers about the care of sex toys in general? Uh, well, that's what we tell people to do. I mean, washing with soap and water clears up most things. And the reason I'm saying soap and water is because it's chlamydia. If you really wanted to be, you know, 100% protected against anything, and really there's a lot of viruses out there that are a little bit harder to get rid of, especially hep C, mm -hmm. um, probably the best thing is, definitely using condoms. If you're using rubber toys, you want to use condoms on between uses and between people. Um, and if it's silicone, you can actually boil it between people and between people. I mean, between people and between uses. But the, I mean, the, the concerns that you bring up are all sort of, you know, biological and, uh, and bugs and germs and bacteria and viruses. Uh, what about just like common household filth? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make, a, I'm going to bring something up from my past that's scary. Okay. People sometimes, you know, people have a lot of shame. Even, like, people who are hip who, like, come into your a store like yours or go online to comeasyouare.com and buy a toy, they'll use it. And the minute they come, they're almost embarrassed to have it in their hands, let alone between their legs. Right. And a lot of people will just dump their sex toys on the floor or under the bed or chuck them into a drawer until the next time they need them. So like they don't even want to see them again. From the instant they come, they don't want to even see it. Yeah, Much less take proper care of it. So a lot of people have, yeah. like, you'll, you'll see their sex toys, and they're, like, kind of grody and covered in, like, God knows what, and hair and dust yeah. bunnies and ugh. And rubber really kind of attracts cat hair and dust and all of that. And lesbians attract cats. So if you're a lesbian <laughs> with a rubber dildo, you're in a lot of trouble. Yes. So really these days we're telling people, you know, you know, save for an extra couple of weeks and maybe invest in something with silicone or stainless steel. And then, you know, that's... But what do you tell like, people at that moment they come? That moment they come, what should you do with your sex toy? Should you, you chuck it on the floor like you never even wanted to see it in the first place? Throw it in the sink. And then you can wash it, like, next time you go to the bathroom. I mean, ideally people should be peeing after they have sex anyway. That's a good general health thing. Some people pee um, during sex. Some people pee Let's during not sex. discriminate against during the pee fans. After works, you know. Um, and then when you go to the bathroom, you can wash your sex toy if you just toss it in your sink. Okay, we have a couple other questions about sex toys while we have you on the phone. Is that oh, all right? Yeah, no problem. Uh, one is really general and so general and so crazy that I didn't even know how to react when I listened to the call. Uh, a call from a lesbian wondering if there's any good sex toys out there for penetration. Uh, well, we have lots of dildos. Um, and oh, come on. Don't you want to laugh in her face? Aren't like 99.99% well, no, of the sex toys out there for penetration, and aren't they mostly good? Yeah, I mean, definitely people, you know, get a little creative and that kind of thing. Um, but I, I sense that there's some, like, sort of question there about identity and what kind of sex toys are good for what identity, I'm mm -hmm. guessing. Um, and really, we know in our store, you know, it doesn't matter. Some lesbians are, don't want to buy a big toys. plastic penis and sit on it. And some do. Right. Know? Some want to pack. So, exactly. But, so, okay, really, so what's out there? If what this woman's problem is is she wants a penetration toy that doesn't scream patriarchy, what's out there for her? Exactly. So there's tons of, like, ones that don't look like anything. They're just a toy. They're just a shape. They don't look like a penis. They don't look like a goddess. 
you could go the goddess route too. Some people do. They like, you know, the dolphin shapes. Some people just want the dolphin shaped dildos freak me the fuck out. I have to yeah. say. Yeah, and you know it can go either way. So it'd be like cute or way too cute. Yeah, know? I'm not being judgmental or anything, but like the dolphin and goddess shaped dildos make yeah. me kind of have to sit down. But they don't look like sex toys, and that's what some people like about them. You know, um, or you want something that's really no, good no, it's really male bashing because what they don't look like is penises. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and some people want that fantasy that it is a penis. And some people and want the fantasy that it's a dolphin. Yeah. Or the goddess of Württemberg sort of jumping into your <laughs> pussy. Yeah. Which I don't understand. Not that I'm being judgmental. Well, you know, it's, you know, everyone's different, so. Uh, I got a question from a gay guy who okay. wonders, uh, who, ha- who loves to play with his own ass with his own vibrator. Uh, but sometimes he has a friend over and he's tempted to top that other person with his vibrator. Uh, it's the only vibrator in the house and I've already used it on myself. Any health risks involved if I use it on someone else? Yeah, and this is something we talk about a lot in the store. Um, bacteria that's healthy in one person's anus is not healthy in another person's anus. So even or on another person's even, salad. Yeah, 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 or in someone else's vagina even. So people who've been in monogamous relationships and are fluid bonded and don't use any safer sex should be using safer sex for anal play if they're sharing a sex toy. So this person should just throw a condom on their vibrator. You know, Makes sense. A dollar. They don't have to go out and buy a new vibrator for their partner or their friend that comes over. They can just, you know, throw it on. Final question. Uh, somebody's wondering if they engage in dildo play, uh, anal dildo play, just by themselves with a dildo. What are the risks of uh, anal incontinence? It's actually, and you probably know the answer to this. I do, but I want to hear you say it. I'm tired of saying it. A lot of people these days are saying that, you know, if you're exercising your sphincter muscles, which you are doing by massage and by penetration, you're actually going to have, like, better, stronger muscles, and everything's going to be healthier. So incontinence could be around, like, diet, and it could be around food allergies and that kind of thing. But if you have any sort of irritation in that area, it's going to be healthier and happier if you have, like, nice, gentle, healthy anal sex. Sometimes I find people say, you know, I know somebody who likes to get fucked a lot, now he's incontinent, as if incontinence is never a coincidence. Well, yeah, exactly. Because I know plenty of people, like in my family tree, who I'm assuming never got fucked in the ass, who had continence issues. Well, yeah, it's, it's not necessarily related at all. That would be my, one of the points I would hope that we would make, all of us sex yeah. educators. Well, hey, thanks so much for, for taking the call and for giving us such awesome advice. Anything coming up at the store that the listeners in Toronto should know about? Um, yeah, we're having a great event in July. That's all of it. It's July 21st at Bayes and Bad Times Theater, and we are. Uh, it's called Reclaiming Desire. It's sex and disability. People talking about it, performances, and all of that. It's on July 21st, and right now we have free shipping on our website and free gifts. So that's free shipping free. even to the United States of no, Scare America. No, in Canada. Just in Canada. Just in Canada. Yeah. So that's well, just at www.comeasyouare.com. Gives us more of a reason to visit because we can. Uh, use free shipped sex toys with our Canadian friends and get married. Yes. If we're and it's the, it's the summer and that's when all our American friends come up and visit us. Sure. <laughs> well, hey, Sarah, thanks so much for taking our call. No problem. Thanks a lot. Talk to you soon. Okay, take care. Bye. Bye. I want to thank Sarah from Come As You Are for all the uh, great advice, and I hope everyone takes it to heart. You don't have to throw those sex toys away. Just keep them clean and don't throw them on the floor. And if you're a lesbian, please remember that they do attract cat hair. Who knew? Uh, a few weeks ago on the show, we asked people about uh, a topic that a caller raised, which was accidental, quote-unquote, accidental anal penetration, where a man and a woman are having vaginal intercourse, and he pulls out a little too far, and the next thing you know, he's thrusting in uh, to the back door. And the caller wondered if that was actually an accident or if it uh, was guys just taking advantage and making a run at a door they may not have been welcome to walk through. 
Uh, and I asked people to call in and let us know what they thought and whether it happened to them, was it an accident. Here's my favorite response. Accidental anal penetration happened on my wedding night. I'm a 33-year-old uh, semi-straight woman. Um, anyway, it happened on my wedding night, and it didn't penetrate, but it almost did, and it brought tears to my eyes. Again, wedding night. Very sad. He admitted, oops, in my thrusting, I got a little too, I pulled out a little too far and got a little too excited and a little too uh, eager and a little too rambunctious. So, um, you know, we have since had anal sex, and it's, uh, you know, we had to work up to it, of course, but not because of that, but I do remember that. And I've been married for almost eight years. So it was definitely a thing. Um, if a guy says he accidentally did it, he is lying. Because even if he did accidentally do it, then by the time he, it gets in, he knows what's up. Thanks very much for your call. Sorry your husband's a lying sack of shit on your wedding night, no less. Uh, here's a few other callers with uh, their perspective on accidental anal penetration. I decided phone and let you know that it is possible, and even though some guys might do it because they're total fucking assholes, I did it by accident on more than one occasion. I've known some people who have have had that happen on accident, and in the, more, the majority of the cases, it's usually because the male has a very large penis. Happened to me once, no big deal, you know, wonderful, wonderful boyfriend, not a huge dick, so, you know, you could see where that would happen. And as my dick came out, it sort of aimed upwards a little bit. And, you know, that's not a huge amount of space in between the two holes. And so it went into her ass with my next thrust. My girlfriend and I, one day we were getting rough, she was bent over. She went out too far, plowed it right back in into the wrong hole. And that brings us to the end of this week's Savage Love Cast. Thanks, Joy. Thanks for the name. We're going to stick with it. This has been the Savage Lovecast. I'm Dan Savage. This is the out loud version of my sex advice column, Savage Love. You can download it every week at www.thestranger.com slash savage. The number here to record a question, and we rely on you for questions so we can keep the Lovecast going, 206-201-2720. Once again, that number, 206-201-2720. Be sure to include a callback number in case we want to uh, call you back and chit-chat about your problem. We promise we will not broadcast number over the Lovecast airwaves or downwaves or however the fuck that works. Once again, this is the Savage Lovecast. I'm Dan Savage. We'll be back next week with another Lovecast.